This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare and Becker's Digital Health Podcast. Thrilled to be joined by one of the most brilliant people in the digital health world, the healthcare world, Ray Wong, who's the CEO of Constellation Research, who talks about a number of trends, what he's watching in digital health, what he's watching technology trends, the metaverse, and, and a lot more. Ray, can you take a moment, introduce yourself, and tell us a bit about your career and what you do at Constellation Research? Hey, thanks a lot for having me here. You know, one of the interesting things is you probably wouldn't know, I actually have a background in healthcare. I started out, uh, my immigrant parents thought it'd be great to send us to a six-year medical program and go for it. I realized I didn't want to be a doctor. So I ended up at Hopkins for public health and one of a few people that started the undergraduate public health program uh, and then continued on. So I have a master's in public health and health finance and policy and health management. Um, and, you know, it's been doing healthcare consulting, did, you know, got into software, ended up doing SAP implementations, product management, uh, ended up doing, you know, being a marketing chief for a startup and and of course, you know, ended up, you know, in the analyst and the analyst world of research, uh, working at Forrester Research and then working with some friends that started a company called Altimeter. And then I've been at Constellation Research for the last 11 years. Just fascinating. And, and, and talk for a moment about what are the big trends that you're watching currently, Ray? What's, what, what are you focused on? What are you watching? Yeah, so at the Uber level, we apply a framework we call PESTO, and it looks at politics, economics, society, environment, technology, and of course, legislative. And in that, one of the big trends is really the great refactoring. You know, we know there's a skills shortage. We know people's mission and purpose have changed. We know that everyone's got different types of work-life balance. Companies are changing their purpose and mission as well. But it's not a reset. It's not a you know, resignation. And it's not, you know, the next normal or, you know, a new normal something's changing and it's big, right? So we're at the beginning of that transformation. And so that's one area where we're looking at. The second one we'll get to later is what's the metaverse economy, which is definitely hot, but it's not just a 3D AR, VR video. It's a lot bigger than that. It comes down to the business models. And then of course, ESGs and pragmatic sustainability is something that's hitting everyone's minds. And then the last piece is really this post-pandemic playbook for tech leaders. What do we have to do differently? What are the lessons that we learned? And more importantly, you know, what's happening in the businesses and the business models around us? When you talk about refactoring, we had a fascinating conversation yesterday with, with another brilliant Silicon Valley person who talked about two different types of technologies. One is technology that enables services. You think about telehealth. It doesn't fundamentally change the service, but it makes it more efficient. It makes it easier for a doctor to see a patient. It's technology-enabled services. And, and he talked about the other, and this was Dr. Justin Norton at ESR Ventures, talked about this concept of, you know, really AI taking something over versus just enabling a physician effort or enabling telehealth. When you talk about refactoring and, and sort of re-slicing and dicing how care is delivered, talk about that a little bit more. Are there limits to that? Are there ways that we can go far with that? Or, or do we need to still to do that to have enough more doctors and assistants and nurses and so forth? How do we how does that look to you, some of this, what you, what you, what you talk about of coined the concept of refactoring? So Justin's got a great point, and you know, he's been an early guy in digital health, some great stuff that he does. Um, one way to look at this is when we think about the technologies, um, they're, you know, they're either 
going to move us into full automation, intelligent automation. And what happens there is, you know, hands off, we don't have to do anything. There are technologies where we're going to augment the technologies with a human because they need guidance. And there are technologies where we're going to augment the human with the machine. And they're going to give us the ability to do more with less. And then, of course, there are places where we're going to have to insert humans into the equation. And that's what we typically tell people to think about when we look at the impact of these technologies. Telehealth, amazing. Telehealth with automatic NLP transcription to actually do my, you know, all, all my medical records and patient health information that automatically determines that, hey, there's five other prescriptions you should be asking that remembers to remind me to ask another question um, for reliability purposes and also for coding reasons. Amazing. Right. And so we're going to see degrees of that in terms of the intelligence that, that's inside these technologies. So enablement, interesting, uh, the ability to actually automate even better. It, it, thank you. Fascinating. I think that that's a great point. Sort of this concept we talk about often in healthcare, recruit, retain and automate. And the more you could automate, it takes just one bit of pressure off recruit and retain. But this combination of things to really make things better. Talk about. I heard you talk last week about what you see in the metaverse, how you sort of perceive this, you know, going forward. A couple thoughts on the metaverse and, and what does this mean? Is this just Mark Zuckerberg trying to repivot a, a company that's moving in the wrong direction? Or is this something where they could become a leader in it? And what does it mean for the rest of us, metaverse? So the first point is true. There's a branding issue that's occurred at Facebook and they've tried to reposition the company into something else. That's going to take them three to five years to get there. They do have pieces of that. Uh, the second piece is this is an important technology. We are entering the age of metaverse. Uh, we started out in the age of digital innocence. The internet was great. We connected stuff. We have static web pages. Things were neat. Then we get to the age of digital giants. People figure out how to make money, right? Commercialization occurred. Now we're going from 2D to 3D. But what's different about metaverse, it's not just the glasses. It's not just the world. Fundamentally, we're talking about a different set of business models that are going to be created in what we call DAOs. Those decentralized autonomous organizations are the membership rules. It's the governance. It's how you actually create the token economics between, hey, if I like something, you'll pay me this much. If I write and create this kind of content, you'll pay me this much. If I want to get access to this really awesome event, I'll pay for this. And in the healthcare world, it might be, hey, look, you know, you do these 15 things for population health and preventative health. Um, what we're going to do is reward you with additional points for other things, for classes, dieting, health, fitness. And, you know, if you participate in some exclusive things, you might actually have to consume those points as well somewhere else. And so we're seeing the beginning of where the worlds come together, um, where the devices come together, where the DAOs create these new business models and funding mechanisms. We see where um, crypto and value exchange actually come into play. You don't have to do everything in crypto, but it's one way to do the value exchange and point systems. And of course, the Web3 technologies. And that's changing the way you know, we look at how we build new types of you know, organizations, new types of experiences, and more importantly, um, new types of business models that will change every industry. And you had mentioned crypto and Bitcoin. I will just ask you a question. You know, I, of course, was a late, dumb investor to the Bitcoin effort, invested in a Bitcoin ETF. It's now down 30 to 40 percent. Is there hope for that investment or am I shot on that investment? You'll be fine. What's actually driving the price is probably a small group of investors. Most folks that are holding on to Bitcoin are holding long with an expectation of five to 10 years out. 
if we look at the scarcity of Bitcoin going forward and the way it's being consumed and being used, um, you know, you can expect this to probably get to uh, 100,000 in the next 18 months. Um, so there'll be adoption, there'll be usage. We're in the middle of a crypto winter. Um, you know, we've seen this happen before, but there are going to be other currencies. But you know, there's 99.99% of currencies and NFTs are junk. It's the ones that are being used by developers in the middle of smart contracts and token economics. And what you're looking for are which of these currencies are being adopted and being used in business and transactions. And those are the ones that are going to win. Bitcoin at, you know, almost a trillion dollar market cap is a pretty good one to survive. Thank you very much. So helpful. What a brilliant perspective, actually. I hope you're correct. And, and God bless from your mouth to God's ears. Ray, another question for you. When you look at digital health and virtual health, you know, we've talked about some of the big trends you're watching, the refactoring of healthcare. We've talked about the metaverse. When you look at virtual digital health, what do you, what do you have your eye on today? What are you excited about? Are you excited about the telehealth players, the specific niche ones? We're excited about another level of that. What What is sort of like, you've seen sort of the Livangos, the Amwells, the Teladocs, you know, now a lot of them in niche areas, and, and every day I get a pitch from a different telehealth company for our podcast, you know, you know, both small and large, just people trying to be a part of the ecosystem. But what's exciting? What's next level after just the core telehealth offerings, or, or who gets better at this? So the telehealth offerings are just the beginning of our ability to actually improve access to care, regardless of where people are. We saw in the middle of the pandemic that you could have state licenses for emergency use across states, right? Never happened before. And this is in the U.S. markets. Um, and so what we're about to see is a massive shortage in healthcare professionals. And we're starting to feel some of that. And where I'm starting to see are the digital twins. Imagine the ability to be in the operating theater, you know, with some of the top surgeons in the world and learn what they're doing or understand how to handle those types of complex cases. That passing of knowledge, you know, from some of the top surgeons to like, you know, first year med student or someone else that's trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, that democratization, that's going to be fun. And digital twins and, you know, and the robotic surgeries and the metaverse that's around that, you know, that's going to change the way how we experience the care, how we train doctors, how we engage across the ecosystem. And so, you know, telemedicine today will eventually become metaverse. Will we get to the point where the Star Trek doctor is in existence? I really hope so. It's going to be kind of cool. Um, so, so that's one level. But, but, I think the, oh, go ahead. but your point on that is so important because that really goes back to what we were discussing before. If telehealth just further leverages the physicians we have and the nurses we have, it, it, it helps. It certainly solved the problem in teleradiology 10, 15 years ago that there just wasn't radiologists in smaller, mid-sized towns. But it, as we have an exploding and aging population and a shortage of, of growth in the doctor forces, if telehealth just leverages doctors uh, much better, it helps. But when you talk about surgery, it doesn't really leverage the doctor that much for surgery. It leverages him for other, his or her for other efforts. But, but, but is there a spot where telehealth or a different level of providing, you mentioned, you know, can you have a computer or robot, you know, you mentioned the Star Trek or Star Wars doctor doing the, the procedure. Do we have to automate those things to take care of our shortages or will there be better ways to solve them and will technology help solve them in different ways? That's a great point, right? 
So, so I always ask people this question, are you okay with 99% accuracy from an AI or a robot, you know, to do a procedure to diagnose what you have, right? And most people are like, oh, no, 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 that's not good enough, right? I'm like, oh, okay, well, but do you know your doctor's probably only 89% accurate? <laughs> so, I mean, well, on, on a good day, quite frankly, on a good day, quite frankly, right? <laughs> I mean, and no knock on, you know, medical professionals out there. I mean, the, the level of human errors are, are, are out there. And, you know, the more we can kind of centralize these, we might be able to get to better diagnoses and, you know, and, and solutions, but, <laughs> but, you know, but that's part of it, right? The automation is, is one aspect that I think is going to help. I think people have to get more comfortable with that. But the other piece, you know, that that's really exciting to me is the personalized medicine aspects, right? Our ability to get the right medicine to the right, you know, individual using the right, understanding the right genomic profile with the right dose. I mean, that's going to be awesome. Right. And, and starting to understand that will help us, you know, you know, do better testing, build the databases required to actually might not even have to do human testing. Right. So, so those types of technologies are really cool. And of course, you know, the tech vendors are out there like, wear this ring, you know, put this device on you, run around with this thing attached to your head. I mean, you know, it'll get better than that. Right. And that's what I'm hoping for is the constant monitoring to be understanding how you are, the protection of that privacy data, um, the ability to get consent for value exchange. If somebody wants to use that for prospective study, that all makes a lot of sense. And, and we're going to unleash, you know, an explosion of data and hopefully using that to identify the next cure, prevent someone from actually getting into a poor condition, uh, more importantly, identify opportunities for people to improve their health. It, literally fascinating, Ray. And, and talk to us, Ray, about it, another thing. You, know, you have such a broad scope of view on things. Fascinating always. What other technologies are you particularly excited about, whether in healthcare or not? What do, what do you look at? And, you know, I, I know on the last podcast you talked about like, the one thing you couldn't live without was your phone. Like many of us, I think that was one of the things you said. But what technologies are you truly most excited about? What do you see out there that you're very excited about? So we talked about data. The real data dump in smart toilets is actually kind of fun. Um, that's kind of an interesting one. Um, what I also like is there's an article I put into HBR a long time ago. It's what an, an AI-enabled patient visit will look like. And what I'm really looking at are these series of ambient experiences that happen in the background, right? They know the context. They know the visit. They've listened in. They can actually make the next set of recommendations. They're doing the diagnoses without prodding folks. The physician is an entering everything into the EMR because it's automatically being entered. There's time to spend with the patient, right? And they can take that monitoring home with them. That to me is going to be pretty exciting. Uh, so to me, that's, that's one of the big areas. I think the other area is really, you know, we're starting to see um, how our lifestyles, how our nutrition, how the food actually impacts where folks are going. There's this phenomena that's going on among, I don't know, tech billionaires right now. If you've noticed, they've all gone from really big to really skinny. And like, we're like, how'd that happen? Right. And so there's this interesting thing with diet and medicine. I think everyone's on some version of Ozampic or something, but it's kind of funny to watch. Right. I mean, they're actually starving themselves. They've gotten really, really small. Right. And, and, and so people are trying to understand, you know, how to actually balance that for healthier lifestyles, for longevity, for other reasons. And, and I'm, I'm just fascinated by how that's working. Fascinating. And when you look at this year, Ray, you do so many interesting things. What, what are your big priorities this year? 
you know, for a company, it's to go back and reconnect with people. I mean, we did a good job with virtual and, you know, people had time to actually talk. Now it's time to break bread and it's time to have the conversations. It's time to share the ideas. I think people want to do that. And I hope that we're getting close to that. Um, I think the other priority for us right now is helping customers get to analytics, automation, and AI. There's a concept we call decision velocity. You and I make a decision per second. And then it languishes in management committee, right? It could take a day, a week, a month, a quarter, even a year or more. Machines are making a hundred decisions per second, even a thousand decisions per second. That asymmetry is going to be the difference between companies that are high performing and companies that are falling behind. And so helping people get the analytics, ask the right question, automation, capture the data and the process and AI build that business graph, that knowledge behind how things work. I think that's going to actually help people with their future. Uh, literally fascinating. Ray, Ray Wonk. Where can people find you? Where can people learn more about you? How do they reach you if they want to consult with you? Ray, tell the audience that if you don't mind. Scott, that's too kind. Uh, yeah, you can check out our company site, constellationr.com. You can track me on Twitter. Um, I am opinionated, uh, but I'm also humble. So feel free to engage, uh, interject uh, comments. I'd like a good debate and a nice kind of civil debate, which is fun. Uh, so you can find me at rwang0 on Twitter, or you can check out the web page at raywang.org. Ray, just a pleasure to visit with you. Thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare and Becker's Digital Health Podcast. Always a pleasure. The, the more I get to visit with you, the, the more I come away inspired. Thank you for taking the time to visit with us today. Thank you. Thank you for keeping all of us inspired.